Welcome, listeners, to Radical Life Support and the series on the ABCs of the Attributes of God. We're so glad that you have been listening to us. We thank you so much for your comments and for sharing with others. Let me say our quote for the series from A.W. Tozier from The Knowledge of the Holy. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Studying the attributes of God can radically change your view of God. Take this time while you're listening to these podcasts to challenge yourself about what you believe about him. Ask God, is this right? Are you really that big? Are you really that powerful? Are you really that beautiful? This week, we're going to talk about the letter C. God is creator. But before we start to talk about God as creator, I want to say very clearly God is uncreated. He was not created. He has no origin and he is self-existent. A child may ask you, where does God come from? To answer that question, if you think God comes from something else, then you ask the question, well, where does that entity come from? And you can go down a rabbit hole that never ends. But with God, it ends with him. There's nothing more than him. He doesn't rely on anybody else. Nothing else created him. He's self-existent. You can stop there. You don't have to go down a rabbit hole and wonder and wonder and wonder. He's it. The buck stops with him. And it's hard to grasp because everything around us, from the moment we're born, everything we see was created by something else. But God is uncreated. It makes us uneasy to think about someone who is outside of our frame of knowledge. We want to understand it. And that's why we will bring him down to our level so we can manage our understanding of him. But you know, God doesn't have to account to us for who he is. He's responsible to no one. He's self-existent, self-dependent, and self-sufficient. He's not a part of creation, time, or space. He created the universe. He created time. He created space. He created them, and he is completely independent of it. Why is it so important that you know God in this way? You were created in the image of God. You cannot know your purpose for being born apart from knowing the God that created you. You want to know your purpose? Know your creator. We are born putting ourselves on the throne of our hearts. We're born into sin and it's very natural for us to think about us, but we are all created, and God is the creator. It's important to keep that right perspective in your life. God will ask you someday, if he hasn't already, that he wants to be put on the throne of your heart. He asks everybody this. We're on the throne of our own hearts, but he will ask you one day, I'm your creator. And I want to be at the throne of your heart. And someday you have to make that decision and humbly submit to him and make the creator, the true creator of your heart, of your life. I personally love believing in an uncreated, self-existent God who created it all. And he knows all about it. He knows how it works. Something grows wrong. He knows how to fix it. I like it that the book stops with him. And I want to believe in that big God where there's nothing else to think about. He's it. My mind can relax. I just trust in the God that started it all. Okay. As I was thinking about the Word of God, I 
I wanted to have a little bit of clarity here with you because there may be some of you out there who aren't fully convinced that everything in the Bible is true. In this case, for God the Creator, the Bible is God's instruction manual to His creation. And if you don't believe that the Word of God is infallible, then you will be questioning His position in the world as Creator. You must believe that the Bible is infallible. And infallible means there's no error in it. Everything about it is correct. And it can get confusing when you hear other people question this or that in it. But you have to make a decision that when you read the Word of God, you can fully put your trust in it. And you fully decide and believe that's infallible. I read a book on Billy Graham. And early on, before he even started really preaching, he came to this dilemma in his life. He was hanging around a group of young men his age in either Cambridge or Oxford. And these men were actually questioning portions of scripture and not believing that they were accurate and true. And he says that this was a critical junction in his walk and his journey with the Lord. He took out his Bible and he laid it out before God and said he either had to believe it was all true or not. He had to make that decision. It was one or the other. There was no in-between. And when he finally said, God, I'm just going to believe what your word says. And if it says it, it's true and I'm going to believe it. And he said that was the critical time in his life and it was from there that his ministry started to catapult out into what we know it to be today. But if Billy Graham had not made that decision to believe the Word of God was accurate and true, then I'm not sure he would be the famous preacher that we all know him to be. You must make this decision too. Because there's no use when you read the Word of God, if, if you're questioning one area, then you might be questioning another area. This is very important. As I read the Word of God, I have full confidence that what I'm reading are truly God's words, Jesus' words. This is all about putting 100% trust in everything about God, our Creator. So let's go to His Word now and see what it says. As I was looking up verses, I do like the verses where other people are talking about God. For example, Jeremiah says, Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. But my favorite is when God is speaking about himself. And he says to his creation, Whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens who created all this, who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and might and strength, not one of them is missing. This is a challenging verse to his creation. And he challenges you today. Do you believe I am the creator of the whole wide world and everything in it? Isaiah 42.5 says, This is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretched them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath. He gives breath to his people and life to those who walk in it. So I want you to do this. Take a breath and then breathe out. Take another breath 
and then breathe out. The Bible says God gives you every single breath you breathe. You get your breath from God. He keeps you alive. He sustains the whole world. He sustains you to breathe in and breathe out. Every breath comes from him. And of course, the biggest part of how the word of God talks about him as creator comes from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He just says it right out from the get-go, I created it all. And in chapters 1 through 3, he created it in six days. He lays it all out on each day. And when he looked at everything he did each day, what did he say? It was good. Let's talk about the seventh day of his creation where it says he rested. This is just my opinion now, but because I believe that God is almighty, I don't believe he had to rest because he had to regenerate his power because he doesn't need to regenerate his power. He's an almighty God. He's self, <laughs> self-sufficient in his power. But in his creation, it's like he created things and he did things in a particular order and in a particular way. When he created us, he tells us later in the Bible that we can work six days, but on the seventh day, I want you to rest. He knows our bodies. He knows what's best for us. It's Here we are in the Bible giving us an instruction how to live our life. And then he made a commandment that to take that day of rest and set it aside to make it holy for me. Everything flows for our benefit. Everything flows to bring him glory. As I explained, I really like the verses where God is speaking. One area when he's speaking about his own creation is at the end of Job. Job in particular is complaining to God and asking God questions about why everything is happening to him and God speak to me, give me answers. Instead of answering Job's question, He lays out a series of questions of his own circled around his creation, beginning with basically, where were you when I laid down the earth's foundations? And he goes on to talk about different parts of his creation, and I don't have time to explain them all, but a few of them are that God said he said to the sea, this is as far as you can come and no further, and this is where your proud waves will halt. So when he did the seas, and you know that the moon pulls on the tides, and it only goes so far on the seashore, and it never goes farther, well, God says, I did that. And he says, who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? God set up the whole entire cloud system and, you know, evaporation and accumulating of rain in the clouds to come down. It says that God rains on the good and the bad throughout all the earth, but he keeps the world sustained through watering it, and he can turn a wasteland into grass. Then he goes on a series of talking about what he did with his animals that I just love. He talks about the ostrich. I mean, how bizarre. He explains it like he made this ostrich that he actually says the ostrich is not too bright. And he created him that he wasn't too bright and he didn't take care of his eggs and his youngs. It talks about how he buries the eggs in the sand. He said, this ostrich might not be too bright, but he can run faster than a horse. God 
enjoyed making the arch stretch this way. And then he talks about the horse, that the horse is like ready. He wants to run. He wants to go for battle. And as soon as that horn battle cry is going, he is off. And he created that. We know creatures have, like, in their DNA, they know just what to do, how a bird knows how to build its nest, and they know how to sit on that egg till it incubates and feed the babies. And there's so much variety that I think it just enjoyed making all different kinds of things. And things have their purpose, too. Just the other day, we had an armadillo was probably hit by a car, on the street right right next to us, and there were uh, vultures everywhere. And they literally picked the clean that you couldn't even see the armadillo anymore. God has things set up on purpose and in order to balance everything out, to keep it clean. Think about wildfires even. Sometimes a wildfire is good because the carbon from the ash goes into the soil and makes the soil richer. God knows all of that. He set it all up. He set up all the different environments so people can thrive. In one area of the world, rice grows so that people can eat. In another area, potatoes grow so that people can eat. In another area, there's corn. It's not all the same. But he gives everyone just what they need, fruits and vegetables or meat. Some people fish. Others have livestock. God did it all, and it was all on purpose. He's the creative creator, and I love that about him. There isn't anything he didn't make. It's all his. It all belongs to him. If you create something, it's yours. In the Garden of Eden, he gave it to man to take care of. He uses it all for his glory and all for our good. And think about this. There are a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. A hundred billion. That is 10 to the 11th power. So a 10 with 11 zeros behind it. And what they believe now, and I got this from Google, okay? So give or take a billion, (laughs) I could be off. But they said there, there are two trillion galaxies. So I want you to think about the fact that God didn't just create the universe. It's huge. And recently, uh, I saw a picture from the Hubble, I think the Hubble telescope. It's gorgeous. If you've seen those pictures of of the heavens and the universe, we are just seeing the beauty of God in ways we we have never imagined. But I want you to know that God created math. He knows math to the largest level, to the trillion and whatever the next illion is in the galaxies of stars. God knows that math. He doesn't get confused about a large number. And he says, he calls each star by name. They're his private possessions. He says to Job after all of this explaining about the creation, he says, Job, Who is it that has a claim to stand against me? Everything under heaven belongs to me. And what is Joe's response? It is the response that you and I both need to have when we think about our creator. He says, God, I know you can do all things. I know no plan of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I repent in ashes. That we humbly bow before our creator. If you believe the Bible is the word of God, There should be no doubt in your mind that he's creator. There should be no questioning that he exists and he created it all. Believe in that. Trust in that. Don't ever doubt it. Don't let any human words cause you to doubt. 
that God is creator. Let's talk about Jesus now. He is a critical component of creation. In Genesis 1-1, it says God created the heavens and earth. In John 1-1, it says that Jesus was the word and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is a part of the triune God and he was there. He's eternal. He was a part of making the heavens and the earth. Paul says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, invisible and visible. So there are some invisible things that are created. And whether they be thrones, dominions, powers, or principalities, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things exist. He's before all things, so he has authority over the things that exist. And then in Philippians, one of my favorite, that Jesus, being in the very nature of God, he made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. Our Lord and Savior took on the form of man in order to come and save us from our sins. Do you think God had a purpose when he created a lamb? There are spiritual truths built into creation. And I believe when he created lamb and sheep, it was extremely intentional. It says in the Old Testament that the lamb and the sheep were a common thing that was sacrificed as an atonement for people's sins by the, the Old Testament priests. And Jesus Christ one of his names is that he is the lamb. He is the final sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. And he said very specifically that he came as a man to do the Father's will and to lay down his life and then to take it up again. Jesus did many miracles. And one of the miracles that he did, there was bread and fish. And he multiplied the bread and fish. In other words, he took from nothing and created something. That's what God did when he created the universe and the world. There was nothing and he created something. So out of nothing, he created something. That's what God did. There wasn't already something there. There was nothing there and by his word, something was there. And that's what Jesus did in his miracles. And by doing those miracles, by recreating something out of nothing, he was proving he was God too. And when Jesus came, this God, who came in a form of a man to save us, he, God, came and died for those he created. And picture Jesus on that cross, dying for you and shedding his blood. I heard a speaker once who said, did God pause when he created blood, knowing that his son would have to shed it in order to save the world? There are 30 trillion red blood cells in a human body. So these are cells, all right? So there are a hundred trillion atoms in a cell. And inside an atom are protons, neutrons, and electrons. And there are 10 to the 12th power of those. And they have now found that there's something even smaller than protons, neutrons, and electrons. They're called quarks. And there are 10 to the 16th power of those in a proton. God created red blood cells in those numbers. 
And this gentleman I listened to said, do you think that in one tiny part of a red blood cell, is there enough divine holiness to cover your sins? God knew that the blood of Jesus Christ, when he created blood, that it needed to be shed for you and me. So Rick was talking to someone the other day, and he started sharing his faith. And the person said, oh, 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 no, yeah, I believe in science. She was referring in a way that, okay, Rick, this is your belief about creation, but my belief about creation is science. Basically saying that science was her religion. Science is a created thing by God. Science shows the order of things. And when God created science, he said, it's good. But anything that we put above God, and in this case, you're putting something God created above him, that is called idolatry. It's not accepting the truth, but you're believing a lie that science is greater than God. When you want to understand the order of creation and how it works, you can go to science. God created science, so really, so scientists can see the order. God's, God's creation is very orderly. You drop something, gravitation brings it to the ground. And, you know, I, I really love science because it shows how consistent God is in his creation. Things work in a certain way, and scientists study it and find out how it works. It's great. When you want to know about the order of things in the world, in the universe, God gave us science to do that. So science is a good thing. You go to science for that. But science cannot tell you what's right and what's wrong. It can't tell you what's good and what's evil. Science can't tell you that you shouldn't steal or you should steal. It gives no moral code. Science is just science. You can't base a religion on science. The Bible is where you go to know right from wrong. Science is where you go to find out the order of things. Science doesn't talk about love. Science doesn't talk about kindness and peace or anything like that. It's only a part of creation. And God isn't just creator of the physical world. He also created systems and government. God created families and he explains how families should work. He created monetary systems. He created music and the arts. It even says that he created wisdom and understanding. He gives you your intellect. He is the creator of the intangible things like love and peace. Something that I'm quite fascinated with are personalities. And I believe God created all of these different kinds of personalities to make things work in his created world. You were created with a certain personality for a certain purpose. Nothing in God's created world is random. I believe he got created people who are natural leaders. I think he created people who are like accountants. They deal with the details of life. He created people who are good salesmen who can communicate well. He created people who are, you know, maybe a good counselor. They're good listeners to make the world work in government, in business, in agriculture. He gave us all different passions. If you've ever read uh, Chariots of Fire, 
there was a gentleman who was a preacher and he was going out in the mission field, but he was just a fast runner. God placed in him to be a fast runner. And he ended up being in the Olympics, proclaiming the glory of God in a global way because God put a passion in his heart to be a runner. You have a purpose. If you have a passion for something, he wants to use you in that passion to give glory to him. God created you so special, and you will not be content until you are doing what you were created to do. You just begin by believing in the creator. Begin by putting your trust in him and placing him on the throne of your heart. Ask him, and he will tell you what your purpose is. God gave people different talents. Some people have 10 talents, 5 talents. You might only have one, but be sure you're not that person with the one talent who isn't using that talent to its fullest measure for his creator. Keep fully focused on your creator and all that he has for you, and you will be content. You will feel so valuable. You are valuable to God. He loves Everyone is in creation. He's capable of loving you to the fullest measure that he loves everyone else in the world. Living a radical life means believing and trusting in God is creator. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can download the Spotify app, and all of our podcasts are located one place there. Please feel free to email us at rickandrobinmo at gmail.com. Join me next time at Radical Life Support for the next Attributes of God. And next time, the letter D. Talk to you then.